Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man, where we like to talk about movies, sports, or whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. Otherwise known as Bruce. We're coming at you talking about some more sports ball. I'll apologize about the uh, not getting to the Big Lebowski, but there's been some issues in, in watching it recently, so we're, we're trying to figure that out. Also, apologize for the posting schedule. At, for some reason, the website's not working great, and so it's getting difficult for me to get everything up there so if you've been jonesing for a, a show in uh like three months ago <laughs> from when this gets posted i will apologize for that now <laughs> okay so today we're going to talk about sports ball and mostly centered around the winter olympics in case you didn't realize from our sports ball posts in the past we are pretty big fans of the olympics just in general summer winter doesn't really matter we we, we like them all we have different sports that we like in the Olympics or in the Winter Olympics, unlike the summer, which is pretty much just like everything, but we're different sports we like to focus on. So I'll let the fat man go first and, and talk about his sports. My specific ones are, believe it or not, biathlon, curling, obviously, and uh, like the bobsled, uh, and, and hockey. Those are like the big, the big ones that I like. So wait, you like the biathlon? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That's a fun little sport to watch, and uh, I like sharp shooting. I like the concept of sharp shooting because it's a skill that you try to uh, perfect in all situations. And then, believe it or not, cross country skiing is a lot more of a foot race than than I thought it was until uh, till I watched it at the last Olympics. You add those two together, and you get kind of an interesting sport. <laughs> yeah, it's like super interesting to me that you can have. It's sort of like. Um, I am individual medley uh, swimming. Mm -hmm. So you have guys who are just like ridiculously good at the shooting portion and then they're pretty good skiers. And then you have guys who are just amazing skiers, but they, they're not great at the shooting. And by not great, I mean, they'll miss one or two Mm -hmm. right out of five shots. And just the interplay of like, okay, if if this guy can make these shots, then he doesn't have to do the penalty laps and he can make up a whole bunch of time. Or, you know, this guy's an okay shot, but he's just such a monster on the the race portion. It's a really neat interplay. Mm -hmm. Also, the reason, like, I think Norway is like the second or third largest gun country per capita. It's because of all the shooters. It, it, essentially, Norway invented the, and I put air quote sport, because I don't know if you'd really call it a sport per se, but it's so much as an athletic test. I mean, it invented it. I mean, if I remember correctly, this was something that came out of um, World War II. Yes. And how the Norwegians, you know, that that's basically what they did. They hit and runs at night on skis. <laughs> On, on the Germans, <laughs> yeah. they invented the sport. It was a disastrous campaign for the uh, for the Allies. <laughs> was the was trying to come through the Scandinavian countries did not go well. Our Italy and France invasions went way better. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't handle the cold. <laughs> yep, yeah. So I would say my uh, my favorites uh, are some of the ski jump stuff. Just because watching the tricks is really fun, I, I enjoy I enjoy the ice skating. Uh, I really do because I enjoy dancing. It's sort of like dancing on ice, and I enjoy I enjoy the bobsled. I really do. Like I don't know, it's just something about people like going down ridiculous icy tube trying to control this thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's a lot of fun. Obviously, curling and hockey are great because they're, they're team sports. It's great to see team sports. So okay, so overall impression of the Olympics. 
2022 Beijing Olympics uh, Winter Olympics overall impressions of the fat man overall impressions I mean it, it started out it seemed to be starting out like a great event like like things were back to normal the facilities were open the athletes were all prepared I mean there really wasn't a whole lot of hiccups at the start the facilities looked good for a change you know it didn't seem like they had problems like they did in Sochi keeping snow yeah, like Sochi was <laughs> such a wreck oh my gosh it's like the, the village is only half built <laughs> right right you know and then they were having trouble keeping snow on the mountainsides where here you know in Beijing and uh, to the west of Beijing in the mountains the temperature was cold enough they still had to bring in snow but it was cold enough that they didn't have to worry about it melting but after the first few days of the Olympics, you started seeing some some problems with the way that they were designed. And basically, in so far as they were designed in such a way that it seemed like it was, I'm trying to find the right way to put this, that they were overly difficult in the way that they were designed because they certainly weren't built to the way that normal Olympic athletes compete when trying to qualify for the Olympics. And by that, I mean, like, say, for things like the bobsled and the luge, the ice tube, the ice was too hard. It was harder than it normally would be, meaning it was harder for the sleds to, to grip the ice. So what would normally be some really nice, you know, uh, sled work, you just saw guys just bumping the walls left and right. And, you know, that whoever, usually the first person to go, set the pace because nobody else could improve on that speed. You usually didn't see like the tenth uh, person to go in a run surpass the first person. In curling, you know, the sheets you were on the, the sheets on the far sides of the arena, which used to be the Olympic uh, swimming arena for the Summer Olympics. Uh, the edges of those sheets were the ice was softer than say the middle of the sheets, which made it much more difficult to anticipate how much the uh, stones were going to curl. And you saw it all over the place. You saw some some absurd. <laughs> things happen like teams that normally don't have any trouble curling just start making these mistakes and uh the facilities are a little interesting uh but in general i thought the united states had a bleh kind of performance uh the only thing i think we did exceptionally well at was women's hockey and uh figure skating everything else like i don't know what happened to our curling team but <laughs> They were not on their game this this year. Yeah, and this is coming off a year where the men won gold. Yeah, right. Four years ago, they won gold. Right. So, like I said, I mean, it was just kind of blah for the for team United States, and uh, at least with figure skating, we pretty much figured we were going to win that anyways, and we did. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of the stuff we were massively outclassed, but <clears throat> turns out there was a reason for that. <laughs> right, right, right. And we'll get into that. Well, like in biathlon, you know, Norway won. <laughs> that shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I mean, it, you know, traditionally uh, Norway and some of you know Sweden, Switzerland, the countries that are you know either mountain mostly mountainous or exist in mostly snow, Russian, the Russian Olympic Committee, they win a lot of these things. Why? I don't know because they exist in snow most of their life. <laughs> <laughs> and ice. So like this, all this is second nature to them. For for us here in the U.S., yeah, there are some places in the U.S. that are like that, but the vast majority of populated areas are not. So this this is more like sports for us and not a way of life. <laughs> where, where some of this stuff, like cross country skiing, can literally be a way of life for for some of these people. <laughs> it's just impressive if we get a medal at all at any of that stuff. 
you know, because we're competing, we're, we're competing against people who literally just live this all the time. Right. And then, uh, once again, <laughs> the, uh, Russians were caught doping, not massively like they did the last time, but they still got one person. They caught one person who was, uh, using performance enhancing drugs and, uh, was a what 15 year old figure skater yeah 15 year old figure skater from the russia olympic committee yeah well that that's gonna be its own thing okay <laughs> <laughs> its own big thing yeah so i would sum up my uh summary of the the 2022 beijing olympics is like this one sentence why in the do we keep having Olympics in China? <laughs> well, the simple answer to that is that they were prepared for it. I mean, the problem that we were having before is like we were talking about Sochi. <laughs> These countries don't have places that they actually want to put the Olympics because they tend to be a massive burden for a lot of these cities and they don't have the money to put on these things. And then when the Olympics leave, they have nothing to do with it. A lot of the, the facilities for this Winter Olympics were reused from the summer Olympics last time. So it's just, you know, convenience and uh, the ability to support uh, Olympic events, which I don't necessarily see as a bad thing because at least, like I said, at the start, it felt like the Olympics. It felt like, okay, things are going to go. Okay. Yeah. Things are going to be good. They're back to normal. I don't, I don't know. And that's, but that's my overall impression. It's like, why, why, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why did we do this? Like everything was just off enough. Mm-hmm. Like it all, like it, it, it was like this veneer of it's all going to be okay. And it's all going to work. Right. But then, you know, eventually the fake snow melts out from under you. And a perfect example of that was, um, and I, and I forgot to bring this up before was snowboarding. Yeah. We didn't win gold in snowboarding. Sean white and his last run fell on the half pipe sean white doesn't fall <laughs> well he actually did in sochi so the two he didn't win gold on are, are sochi and this one because he fell on his last run mm-hmm. and that's like the reason why yeah, like how many other snowboarders fell i mean i mean my my girlfriend we were watching and we saw two guys like in a row fall one guy i can't believe he didn't break his back because he fell on the the edge of that that pipeline like was smack on his back <laughs> Oh no! It was a constant thing. Watching the snowboarding, watching the it, you know half pipe snowboarding, the freestyle snowboarding, the the ski stuff, the half pipe ski, the half pipe, the freestyle ski, all that's the big airs, all of them. It was just constant falls. I was just impressed when somebody made it down the whole hill without falling. Right. And then they would score them in like the sixties and fifties sometimes, and I'd be like, "What? He made it down the hill. <laughs> like, like, the last five guys who went before him didn't make it down." <laughs> Like, why are you giving such a bad score? So yeah, I, you know, it was interesting Sean White's story. So let's just go into into it now. <laughs> so Sean White, you know, he's literally he's forty. Or no, he's not forty. He's thirty five. Sorry, he's thirty five. He's he's the oldest guy in the field by almost I don't know, like eight years, seven, eight years, something like that. There's a couple other Americans in it in the half pipe competition, but it is really dominated by the Japanese just watching them and they're nuts like they're just flat out nuts <laughs> and even all of them like i watched them qual in their qualifying runs and they they were like spot on for all of their runs and then in the final they were all falling it was sort of like that like these are the these are the folks that are at like the top of their athletic game right mm-hmm. and you give them a course like a normal course right and then the nerves of competing on the olympic stage can get to somebody and cause them to make a, st- a mistake on a normal course 
but then you up the ante and you make this like the most difficult possible course ever created by man and like everybody's falling everywhere <laughs> you know <laughs> because because it's it's both really difficult and everybody's trying to do the craziest stuff they possibly can in order to make the points because they're all competing against each other for these ridiculous points uh, spreads like they were talking about that like some of the the tricks that the japanese guys were doing like sean white had tried to do in the past and had crashed like he he'd never been able to do that do some of those tricks in a competition without crashing he was some of the he was one of the guys that, that like pioneered i think it's like a triple flip mm-hmm. had pioneered that but he was never able to I actually landed in a competition and he didn't and some of the other guys did and that was it was a huge huge points gain for whoever could pull that off but you, you think about that you're standing on the hill right and you're seeing these other scores go up and you're like okay well i if, in order to get on the podium i have to beat like an 85 well in order to beat an 85 i've got to do this crazy trick and this crazy trick and that crazy trick and if on top of that the course you're on is ridiculously difficult like it's just it's a recipe for every you know every other guy falling down. It just is, and that, that's exactly what we saw with um, all the the you know I, I mean with the with the half pipe. I mean it's hard to like design a bad half pipe, but I mean you're talking like forty feet in the air, just due to the you know I think the the walls are twenty two feet high, and then most people are getting like ten to twenty feet of air. So you're talking. 40 feet fall here if you hit the side or if you don't land right Mm -hmm. so you know if you don't land just a little bit right falls pretty easy to take and then you go over the other track where it's uh you know the downhill the freestyle and like people were talking about some of the elements at the very top like the shred shed and uh, some of the other uh, rails that people were were railing on which is really funny to watch snowboarders do that (laughs) i gotta admit but some of those apparently were set up in very difficult combinations that a lot of people just didn't have like the leg strength to pull off the jumps you needed to do because you know the down slope beforehand wasn't enough to give you the ability to do it and if you missed that you weren't going to make the points and so you had guys crash right at the top of these hills and then you know basically have to blow the rest of their run right so i'm not going to say it didn't seem fair it just didn't seem fair to the athletes yeah like it seemed like the courses were designed to make them fail whereas uh, i mean you talk about like summer sports and this kind of stuff you know, a track is a track. <laughs> well, so I'll put, it, I'll put it this way. Before I moved up here in Columbus, I, I was in a bowling league. And the bowling center that I went to had a sign on it said it was an, a, an official PBA, you know, practice center. And, you know, I bowled there for a while. And I can tell you there's no way, no way a PBA event would ever ever be hosted there. Why? Because the lanes aren't designed that, that way. It, it's like a professional baseball field versus a minor league baseball field. There's a huge difference, you know, with the equipment and the way you play. The lanes just aren't perfect. Whereas like, you know, in a PBA event, you expect your lanes to be done a certain way. That even if the oil pattern's set a certain way, that you know it's of a certain quality. And like you said, it seemed like this one, they did it to such an intensity that professionals couldn't perform at their best on. Right. So I, I want to take it back to like the beginning. Like it took us, I want to say it took us like two to three days just to get our first medal. Mm-hmm. And that medal was, I think, a bronze in one of the snowboarding like downhill competitions. One of the, the women ended up getting, getting the bronze. So it was a kind of a very slow start to our Olympics. You know, early on we had the team sport, the skating. Which was very interesting to watch. You know, the skating's broken up. You have individual men 
a short program and then freestyle is effectively the short program is like two something two minutes and something and it has to have a set number of elements like you have to do a jump here and a thing here and a spin here and you know whatever they've got those those elements and then the freestyle program is more like four or four and a half minutes and it's it's whatever the, the person wants to do like they make the program and each element they put in the program is worth so many points and they try it and it gets graded. Uh, and that's true about the short and the uh, and the freestyle. So you have women and men doing that. And then you've got the dance, the, the couples. There's two, there's like a couples and then there's a dance and those are different. And it's sort of like the short program and the freestyle. Going into that, the Russians are just always super heavily favored. And that's because their program is just ridiculous. <laughs> like, like apparently, especially on the women's side, like the competition is extraordinarily heavy, which kind of explains, you know, what we get into eventually with that. So going into that, you know, the first competition is the men's short program. The U.S. has the leader in that, uh, Nathan Chen. He fell four years ago in the winter, that Winter Olympics during his individual, you know, he didn't get a medal on that one. But he laid it down like hardcore like he was like head and shoulders points wise above anybody else in the short program he looked really really good and that was a great start for team usa because the honest truth is we weren't favored like we were we were maybes a lot of people's opinion were maybe for bronze right it was sort of like russia canada and um japan so he lays it down and then we go into the, the men's short program and we got another guy on there and he lays it down like he skates like his best ever and then our teams skate their both teams skate their best ever we start falling off a little bit just because the the russians and and the canadians are slightly better than us in some of us but we end up going into the women's set like in a way better position than anybody ever thought we would (laughs) just because basically you get points based on your placement in the team competition. So if you're first place, you get 10 points. If you're, if you're 10th place, you get one point. And we basically went in with like 10 points and then another 10 points and then like nine points and then like eight points. And everybody was expecting us to be in like third or fourth by that point. And we're still sitting in first place. The women's short and freestyle program comes out. And the short program, we do pretty well. Unfortunately, the the U.S. Uh, woman, she takes a fall. So she ends up getting, like, fifth place, I want to say, which is still worth – or fourth place because by that point, they're down to five teams. They went from ten teams to five teams. So we still get points for it, but it, everybody else sort of closes the gap. And so everything is sitting on the very last event, which is the women's freestyle and the U.S. skater, God, I really should look up these names. That's my problem. I don't know the name. I barely know my own name. <laughs> you don't hear them once every four years. <laughs> well, that's the problem because it changes a lot of times. So obviously Nathan Chen was came out. Ice Dance teams, Madison Chalk and Evan Bates. And then Madison Hubble and Zachary Donahue. They, they're kind of interesting stories. One of them, I want to say it's Madison Hubble and Zachary Donahue. They were dating or maybe even married at one point and then they broke up but they still they still skate together in fact their coach is madison hubble's husband mm-hmm. if i remember correctly so it's just very interesting and and it's it's weird because you watch them dance together and you know they look like a couple right and some of them are like some of the teams i think the japanese team they're married it's interesting vincent zhao was the the 
he wasn't the short program. He was the freestyle uh, American skater. Karen Chen was the sh- sh- I want to say she was the freestyle and she really really laid it down and Alyssa Liu was the short program and she took the fall and so that was a little okay <laughs> that was a little setback yeah it was a little bit of a setback it was kind of interesting uh, Madison Chalk and Evan Bates they danced to a medley of Daft Punk songs oh. Yeah, it was sort of, uh, they were taking it like their program was, uh, she was some sort of alien and he was an astronaut and they were kind of falling in love sort of a thing. They did it, it was really well done. <laughs> the costuming and the, the performance and everything. So, and that's why they did so well. They just like flat out nailed it. And Hubble and Donahue did as well, which nobody was expecting. Yeah, I didn't watch a whole lot of the figure scheme. <laughs> yeah. But I was struck by how dominant the uh u.s hockey u.s women's hockey team was this season i mean just every team they they really seem to be physical and on them and they're really trying to make their presence known yeah and they were they were pretty fun to watch uh, all the way till the final match <laughs> which of course was, was the canadians <laughs> as it always has been since 1998 when women's hockey started so it's always been the canadians and the the americans in the gold medal silver match and it's interesting because the the teams are are made up of a lot of them are college women's hockey players and, and a lot of them are from the u.s mm-hmm. on the, the canadian team yeah and hockey in general a lot of them come from on the men's side from the NHL, <laughs> they go play for their um, countries of origin, you know, like the Czech Republic, Russia, you, you name it. It's kind of funny how like most uh, NHL hockey players aren't from America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For the Olympics, the NHL takes like a, takes like a light break for that. <laughs> yep. I guess round out the figure skating. So, and then the women came up and obviously the, the Russian women are just, you know, ridiculously good. And this one 15 year old girl who did both skates, the short program and her uh, freestyle. So the Russians end up taking the lead from the U S and they get the gold medal. Well, comes out like the day after that, she tested positive for using a banned substance or a, was it performance enhanced enhancing substance. And, Effectively, what it is, is it's a, a supplement that helps you control your heart rate slash breathing rate, even when you have a lot of adrenaline going through your body. And by itself, it's, it's you know, it, it is performance enhancing, but there are some other things you can take with it that really shoot it into the stratosphere. And that's what they found. She was taking these two supplements and then she took that drug. And so her abilities were kind of off the chart you know, supposedly. So she tested positive for that. This is interesting because in almost every case, when you test positive for a banned substance, you're out. And at this point they had quote unquote won the gold medal, but before they could have the medal ceremony, the test came back. So they stopped the gold medal ceremony. And if she had like actually gotten it, she would have been stripped of it. However, because she's 15 and I'm trying to remember, she is a protected person. I want to say that's the word they use. Huh. The the Olympic Committee, they went to an arbitration, and instead of stopping her from being able to perform and just, you know, taking out their win, they said, okay, we're going to let her perform in her upcoming, you know, individual competitions, and then if we're going to do a deep dive investigation, if it turns out she was doping, 
like the test says she was, then we're going to strip the medals and U.S. will have won gold in the in the figure skating team competition. This obviously did not fall well for at least any of the American announcers. They were all pretty <laughs> flabbergasted by that ruling. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the Olympic panel basically said they did it for because they thought it would do irrevocable, irrevocable psychological damage to the 15-year-old if they didn't let her compete. Um yeah, watching her then compete in the short program and listening to Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir say absolutely nothing during that entire program because they said they wouldn't comment. All they would say <laughs> is, you know, you watched her ski or her not her ski, you watched her skating program. That was really strange. <laughs> not hearing those two talk was really, really weird. <laughs> Well, because, I mean, this is another one of those situations where the reason why you can't say Russia was at the Olympic Committee, it was at the Olympics, it's a Russian Olympic Committee, is because they got caught cheating. And now maybe it wasn't the 15-year-old's fault. I mean, I don't know what things are like in, in Russia, but here in the U.S., we don't let 15-year-olds make decisions. Right. Uh, you know, maybe she was forced to do it, maybe she wasn't, but the, but the fact of the matter is, is that you've got these athletes who perform at a high level and they're supposed to be trustworthy and all this stuff getting caught cheating again. This is like the, the, the new England Patriots all over again. You know, yes. how many times do you have to be caught cheating before <laughs> something's going to happen? <laughs> how many of your players do you have to catch in the other game and the other team's locker rooms? <laughs> <laughs> it only makes you wonder, though. No, okay. Maybe that's why the only one they caught was a 15 year old. Cause they thought there's no way anyone would send, you know, would, you know, punish us for a 15 year old. Yeah. That's just cruel and mean. It's like, well, now it just seems like you did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, when we got to the, the freestyle program, Johnny and, and uh, Lipinski were talking again. And that's basically what they said all through her freestyle program was that the adults in her life had failed her. Like she, she shouldn't have competed. But then again, she's only 15 and she was probably either directed incorrectly or was was doped without her knowledge, which, I mean, that's entirely possible, mm-hmm. you know, considering the stuff these athletes do to try and keep themselves in shape or in the in the crazy they do you know i gotta think as a 15 year old like you said you don't like 15 year olds make decisions (laughs) that's just dumb i mean it's just one of those things you're just like all right what's a good enough punishment for russia because i understand that there are these athletes that deserve to compete and it's not their fault they come from countries that can't do things without cheating <laughs> you know <laughs> we saw from this Olympics you can go anywhere and compete for any country you want you know so yep. maybe we should just you know tell the Russians yeah you can't compete for like you know two three Olympics on both sides you know for 12 years yeah <laughs> so she did her short program and it was excellent right she's top of the field she's got the most points going into the uh, freestyle and she she goes into the freestyle she's the very last person to go everybody else the other two russians went right before her because they're you know amazing one of the girls is the first one to land a quad which i guess is where you jump and then you you rotate four times and apparently she wants to try and do a quince which i guess is five times mm-hmm. which nobody has ever done that's how that always goes i mean yeah you do it three the next person does four and then the next person tries five <laughs> yeah so and she does like five of those in her program like the and this is like the third best russian does like five of those <laughs> and the the top girl is literally landed the first one ever in the olympics you know during the team event so and the russians are dropping these things and nobody else has them. The person from the U.S. does 
she does an amazing program and she gets fifth right and the the japanese uh girl does an amazing program and she's in third you know she's in third before the final russian girl comes out this 15 year old who has the scandal now she hits the deck three or four times she falls three or four times Uh i gotta admit like after the second one, me and my wife uh, looked at each other. We looked back and we watched her, and then we watched the third fall, and we both said like out loud, "She's throwing it," uh-huh. because that's what it looked like. It looked like the Russian team, the committee, Russian Olympic Committee, had huddled up after they found out. Okay, you know, if they do a deep dive and she wins this, they're you know they're not going to do a podium. If she's on the podium, then she's they're not going to do a, a ceremony. And then they'll take it away from her later because they'll they'll find out, you know, or they'll they'll see that, yeah, she was doped. And so we need you to just throw this for the other two Russian girls so they can get their medals. Uh-huh. That's what it looked like happened. So you're telling a 15-year-old, I want you to go out and skate. You're being allowed to skate, but I want you to go out and, you know, blow this thing in the Olympics. <laughs> as as this premier skater that she's supposed to and she does whether or not you know she did it on purpose or not i don't know for sure but it sure looked like it that or the nerves finally like crashed on her and it could have been both Mm. to be honest but it looked like she really threw it and she did she ended up fourth right it knocked the uh, the american down to fifth spot but it caused the japanese girl to end up winning the bronze all three of them the russian girls have the same like coaching staff so like after that skate all of the coaching staff was like huddled around you know this 15 year old girl coming off the ice who's in tears who's broken down because she's just skated probably the worst skate she's ever skated in competition ever (laughs) because you know before this point she was being hailed as like you know the once in a lifetime prodigy kind of a thing and nobody's with the two russian girls who just won the gold and silver the girl who's wearing the gold is just standing there in the world circle, like with nobody around her. The Japanese girls burst into tears because she's so happy, right? <laughs> and then the girl, the Russian girl, was won the silver, who, you know, is another pioneer in women's skating. She's just livid, uh-huh. yelling at some of the coaches, saying, like, I don't have a gold. When's my turn? Kind of a thing. And finally, after like 10 minutes of like all the and and it's just funny, like if you watch it, you you can hear Johnny Weir and um, uh, Terry Lipinski and the other guy, the sane guy. I like to put it. You got these two nut job ska- skating folks and then the sane guy who kind of reels them in and makes them presentable to the rest of America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but they're skater now. You know, it's it's like anybody who gets super involved in a sport or anything. They go a little nut job on you. <laughs> so, just hearing them talk and all the the commotion, it was it was like hardcore soap opera drama stuff. <laughs> well, you know what though? What do you expect from figure skating? I mean, <laughs> what was the name of the Will Ferrell movie about figure skaters? It was a Blades of Glory. Yeah, that's it. Blades of Glory. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what it was. It was it was all darn ridiculous, but because she was in fourth, they got to have a medal ceremony, and the two Russians, you know, got they got their gold and silver, and the Japanese girl got her bronze, and so that was all good. So that was figure skating, and I know that took up a big piece of it, but that was kind of the you know the drama show that was eating up most of the most of the Olympics. 
And then, to be honest, you know, this goes back to my dislike of how NBC, I didn't get to see a single hockey game until the final one, right? Because NBC put it on USA and I don't have cable, so I couldn't watch it. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a single curling match. That is one thing I will say about the Olympics in general is they got to knock off this, you know, you need cable to watch this. I mean, it's supposed to be a global event where everyone's supposed to be able to watch. You need to put this on something where everybody can watch this, like online, on the phone. Now that we have this technology, you shouldn't have to pay to watch the Olympics. This should be like PBS. You know, everyone should be able to watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I <sighs> that's the whole point about doing all of these is that we get to finally watch a competition amongst everyone in the world and see how everybody stacks up with athletes and enjoy competitive sports. If you want to about it and you need to make your money back and blah 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 you know do it the old-fashioned way do commercials right because you are doing them anyways right <laughs> so, yeah sure make your peacock or olympic app or whatever give me the option you know commercial or commercial free for 4.99 or whatever you know if you want to get your blood money that way fine but you do it for free you know do it so we all can see it so we can all come together and watch it we don't have to pay you a bunch of money you know, in case we don't want to watch figure skating, because let's be honest, that's what Dom, and the reason I'm talking about it so much is because that's what I watch, because that's, I could watch NBC for free, because uh-huh. I get it uh, via the antenna, and that took up two hours of prime time every night. That was what was on, because, you know, that's the sport, right, is is speed skating. Right. You know, and they'd occasionally show other things, like, you know, if we won gold in some event, they'd show that, or, or Sean White's thing, they showed that, or, or the one Ultra Trader. So I'm going to talk about that because we're here, so I'm going to talk about the Ultra Trader. <laughs> so, freestyle skiing competitor, she competed for China, but she was born in the U.S., in San Francisco, and she lives in the U.S., like she's a, she's an American, but she competed for China because she's trying to boost her sport in China and to get more Chinese people interested in her sport. And I get it. Like I I get that wanting to boost and everything, but it's China. Like one of the one of the best taglines for Beijing 2020 I saw was Beijing 2020, fake snow, real genocide. <laughs> like let's be honest, this is China, the worst human human rights violations yeah. countries in the world. Yeah, ever, ever, because it just keeps going. They just keep doing something worse. <laughs> let's put it this way: the uh, the worst ones that we see on a regular basis from a first world country. <laughs> because if you don't think these things are happening in Russia. <laughs> Oh yeah, but it's just not as many people live in Russia. <laughs> it's it's the scale is slightly smaller, and she wins like three golds for China, mm-hmm. and it's just like, like I get it. You want to be a voice, and you want to you know be an activist and everything. But the country you're representing, or not even the country, I would not even the people. I would say that the, the Chinese Communist Party, which you are effectively representing, is the worst organization in human <laughs> history. Just think about that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I I am fully willing to call her a traitor. That's all I got. Let's hope that that next Winter Olympics, when she goes out and wins gold, she decides to ski for the you know or for her home country, where she gets an enormous amount of privilege, <laughs> free. So, anyways, all right, I'm done. I guess I'm done. Right now. Um, other amazing highlight from from snowboarding was the uh, there's a team. So they did a lot of team events, just like they did in the Summer Olympics, where it's men and women. Which I mean, uh, this is going to sound so terrible. I don't think they actually brought anything to the sport, though. It just seemed like the differences were so much that you couldn't find a consistent level. Like you know, women snowboarding, there's a con- there's a level there that you could see, but when you have both men and women snowboarding, the abilities of both of them and the techniques 
and skills are so different that you look at it and there's no consistency in the way that you could judge them. For me, what I've seen for both the Winter and the Summer Olympics when they did these combined, if it was a staged race, like so in the Summer Olympics, the triathlon, Mm -hmm. you know, they started with a man, then it was a woman, then it was a man, then it was a woman. Or no, they started with a woman, man, woman, man. Mm -hmm. That was fine. In those kind of competitions, you have a, everybody runs the same set. The male and female athletes all go in the same order, that kind of a thing. You know, speed skating was that way too. It was fine. In the competitions where they mixed it up and, and it was entirely based on the country as to when the female athletes and, and what the male athletes did, it was very problematic because it showcased the difference between the female athletes and the male athletes and their abilities. This was very apparent in some of the competitions in the water in the Summer Olympics. And I think this was somewhat apparent in the, the biathlon stuff and some of the other sports in the in the in the winter i don't know that was my take on it so ultimately it's just it's just another take on doing the same thing as a team which i mean it can be fun but again like you said there's ways to do it where i think it works and i think there's ways to do it where it definitely doesn't yep so the, the one fun one i watched was snowboarding and it was like a kind of almost looked like a bike rally um <laughs> you know a bmx track basically but, but you're on a snowboard which looked like a lot of fun that looked like a really fun event i think that was the american comeback story from this olympics and probably the safest course out on the snow that they had <laughs> yeah i know because you didn't have nearly as many. i mean there were definitely crashes but it wasn't nearly the same rate you had a you know a man and woman and the the woman she won she won gold in, the, in her individual, which was amazing because you know I, one of the first times the sports is there. It's good to see us actually win gold medals for the sports we pioneered <laughs> in the U.S. <laughs> but the lead guy he didn't he didn't medal. He finished off the podium, and he's forty. Right. So he walks away from that individual thinking, "Okay, I'm done." Right. I didn't even qualify. So my Olympics is over, and I go home. Well, he was part of a team who was going to do in the team competition. Well, he thought that not getting the qualifying for his individual meant he didn't qualify for the team competition, which wasn't true. It turned out he still had to qualify for that. They still had to qualify for that as a team. And so they went out and qualified, and they went out and they won it. And that was amazing to watch. <laughs> That was because you had this 40, literally the oldest guy in snowboarding ever, 40 years old, right? He's five years older than Sean White, who was the only, the oldest guy in the half pipe competition, <laughs> right? They're like one of the oldest winter sports athletes ever. And, and watching him, like even watching his piece of the last race where he overtakes, I think it's the French guy, like in the literally the last quarter of this, of the, of the track. It's amazing watching him. It's amazing watching his teammate as well. They both have fantastic runs on this course. And then, and then watching them get the gold. Cause he'd been, you know, he's 40, he's been doing this for forever and he's never gotten a medal. Like this was his like third or fourth Olympics. And just watching him get that, that was definitely like the comeback USA, USA, you know, kind of a <laughs> moment from the, from the winter Olympics. Since we had so many non of those moments, and so many of our big stars just didn't perform. Mm-hmm. Sean White didn't perform. We didn't do well on like a lot of the skiing. The skiing stuff was right out. Like Michaela Shifford, watching her just fail time and again, right out of the gate. That was heartbreaking. 
Oh, so many of them, though. That was the thing. Just like, yeah, on the skis, downhills, giant slalom, whatever it was. Every time these guys made a tournament, they were wiping out because they're just, it just seemed like they got completely surprised by the courses, even after they've run them two or three times. Right. It's sort of like once you, when, if you were running them in, in sort of practice mode, you could do it, but once you tried to put the the pedal to the metal, you were effed. Mm-hmm. Like if you went over a certain speed, and th- and this goes into my conspiracy theory about this one. I I honestly think the the slalom and the giant slalom and even the downhill were all constructed to screw anybody who could go over a certain pace, mm-hmm. like anybody who could take the hill harder than the majority of the athletes was going to wipe out right? because the hills were made such that the, you just couldn't do it without wiping out. And, you know, we saw some Michaela Shiver. She, she, you know, on the 11th gate on the, I think it was the 11th or 10th, 11th gate on the giant slalom. And then the fifth gate on the slalom, the first time she did it. And then when, when she did it during the combined competition, she made it all the way down to like the 20th gate. But even there she wiped out and, and, the other American in the combined wiped out the same exact spot. Uh-huh. It feels to me like the Chinese designed this to cause the best skiers to fail. Yep. I almost feel like they designed it to make Shifford fail, but they got the rest of them in the bag. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was angry watching those. It was heart wrenching watching those, watching her drop off. Disappointing. I mean, she was, she's so heavily favored for the slalom and giant slalom. Like her and one other skier have won every like world championship for the last like 10 years. Like two out of two people. Like they just keep handing it back and forth effectively. And so uh, it was hard. It was hard watching the skiing. It just was, it was almost like there was nothing for America there. Uh I was glad Chloe Kim got her gold because I think that was America's first gold. And then, you know, after that, after that, it kind of felt like, okay, maybe we can do this. <laughs> you know, maybe this is, this Olympics isn't going to suck so bad because <laughs> our star athletes kept blowing it effectively. Uh, but I wouldn't even say they were blowing it. They were, they were just, like you said, it was like the facilities, they were good, but then they were off. They, they at least looked professional, we'll say. Yeah. They were maintained, but they were maintained to a certain level and designed at a certain level that you just go, okay, there's no way that these Olympic athletes were anywhere near prepared for this. Yeah. So I guess the final story I want to cover is the other really good American feel-good story. You had the introduction of the monobob, and all the all the bobsled stuff was basically swept by the Germans. Like kind of literally, I think in the two man bobsled, the Germans got all three podium spots, so, so it was pretty dominated. But they introduced the monobob. So single person in a bobsled. You know, previous to this, really the only single person event was a luge, or the the one where you go head face first. Skeleton. There's a difference, right? Skeleton. So they introduced this. There's the American who won uh, gold last year in the team in the two person event who came down she was favored but there was a new american uh bobsledder and that was the two-time gold uh medal bobsled winner from canada who had raced in canada the the two prior olympics as part of the team uh, bobsleds and during the break between the last olympics and this one she had quit the bobsled team in Canada and then sued them due to harassment and discrimination. Oh, wow. Which it boggles the mind, like Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Super soft, every rights ever, <laughs> as yeah. far left as you can possibly get Canada. Well, Canada's been 
Canada's been changing in a lot of that over over the last few years. It, yeah, but I mean, she said this was like this was like a decade oh, of this. Oh wow! Yeah, like this wasn't just like a change that happened during those years. Like she, this was like over my whole career, and just kept getting worse and worse. So she leaves the team. She sues them. She ends up falling in love with a guy from the U.S. I think from Washington or or Oregon. She says, "Okay, I really don't have anything left in Canada, so I'll I'll move down there to be with this guy, and then we'll get married." Well, okay, I'm married now, so I could I could become a U.S. citizen. So she does, and they go through the process, and literally. December of 2021, she gets her citizenship. Uh-huh. And then she's on the U.S. bobsled team. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes down to the monobomb and bam, wins us a gold. And I'm like, hells to the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to ask, because I was uh, I was upset that I, I didn't know. Like, And so here was the other part about the TV thing. They didn't advertise some of the cool stories. Like the Jamaican bobsled team was back. Yep. And I didn't get to watch them run. Did they at least complete the run? <laughs> I don't know if they didn't show it. They didn't show it. Why would they not show that one? Like that's of all the ones that you were going to show. Why not make the, you know? Why not show the one that you know they made a movie out of? <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't. I, I, NBC just you know it's the same criticism we had for the Summer Olympics. NBC, get your f-ing act together. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do your job better. You spent half of the first week of the of the yeah most of the entire first week of the Olympics showing the mixed curling competition, which no 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 that was not impressive in any way. I would have been more impressed with either just the women's or just the men's. I would be fine with just the women's, but the way that the mixed curling event went and how much it was shown. (laughs) Yeah, and I you know I think that that's another good example of where the mixed stuff just doesn't work. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't work right. Like there's some sports where that's fine and somewhere it doesn't quite work well. And I think that, I think curling is one of those. Well, in this particular case, because it wasn't like a full team thing, it was half done. Like a full curling team is four players and 10 ends. And I think like six or seven rocks in the mixed, it was two curlers, eight ends and five rocks. And that was it. Weird. Yes. <laughs> it's just weird. I don't know. It just, uh, some of the story, like you said, some of the things that decided to show and didn't show, you're just like, oh, come on. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's our, um, that's our coverage of the Olympic Games. You know, there's a lot of good stories there, but overall, it was somewhat of a letdown. I'll, I'll just say this about it because we're, uh, we're going to close this out, and that's exactly what I want to get to. The closing ceremonies, it was like the way the Olympics ended was like it just went away. Like they didn't make an effort to talk about the closing ceremonies, unlike the the opening ceremonies. I mean, it just it it was weird. Yeah, it just sort of faded into the background. Like everybody just sort of style, oh yeah, the Olympics, yeah, whatever. And and I mean the whole thing, obviously we we touched on this very briefly when I talked about the one girl going for China and then my you know, my opening statement, why the do we keep having this thing in China? The whole thing is marred by lots and lots of people refusing to watch because it's in China, you know, because of the series of genocides that have occurred between <laughs> between the last time they hosted the Olympics and the current one or other and slash other human rights violations that they've committed since then. 
there's countries that didn't participate. There's and and I always feel I feel bad for the athletes because it's difficult. It's only a four year thing, and then oops, the Olympic Committee gave it to a, a country for political reasons that shouldn't it shouldn't give it to because they're terrible to their people. Well, I would say that they gave it to China because, like I said, I think China and the U.S. are one of the few countries that can host these things over and over again without having huge economic problems. At least you'll never see that it bankrupts the country. Right. Who knows with China? Right. <laughs> who, who knows how many people are buried inside of the water cube? Yeah. Which <laughs> wow. is terrifying when you think about it. You're like, oh, <laughs> that might actually be true. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing being in China is marred by that is disappointing in general. There were some really amazing stories. There's some really amazing efforts put up by American athletes. American, you know, really amazing efforts put up by a lot of athletes. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy the summer, the winter more than I do the summer. And I look forward to it every four years. I even, I, but you know, despite our criticisms, I still had fun watching curling. I still had fun watching hockey. I still had fun watching biathlon. So. Oh yeah. No, I mean, like I said, I still watched it for somewhere between two and six hours every night. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not like I wasn't watching. Yeah. I was, but it was, it's just like the, the, what we said about the courses, like they were done, they were, they looked professional, they seemed good, but they were just off. Yep. And that, that's how this Olympics felt. Yep. So, but here's looking two more years. We'll be in Paris. Maybe we'll try and be there for reals. It's been a, <laughs> it's been a while since we've been in Paris. I'd like to go back. I guess the next ones are in Milan. Yeah. 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 Italy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like Milan and one other country that's a little further up in the Alps. Or one other city, sorry, that's further up in the Alps. Yeah. So I guess that wraps it up. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember Patreon, website, patthefatman.com. Please help us pay our editor. We really appreciate it. <laughs> we really appreciate it, folks. <laughs> I'm Pat. Now I'm the fat man. Stay classy. USA. 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 <laughs> I wanted to watch the Jamaican bobsled team because I wanted to do my drinking game. <laughs> right. Which one is that? Oh, you, <laughs> you do it for the chant, you know, you can feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Oh. And then like, as they're running down, like each time, each cadence you drink. And then as they're running until they all get into the, the bobsled, you, you just keep chugging your beer. <laughs> Chug as they go. Yeah. That's, that's not going to end terribly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling the rhythm now. <laughs>